Hallelujah. Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been, we've been talking about the gifts. We're in the season of gifts. Everybody say, I like gifts. See, a gift, by definition, is a gift. It's not something you earned. It's not something that was warranted. It's not something that you paid for. It's a gift. Everybody say, a gift is free. Or should be free. I don't know what kind of uncles and aunts y'all got, but it should be free. We're not talking about the kind of gift that God gives and expects something in return. We're talking about a free gift God gives us. Okay? Now, in Romans chapter 12, we found out that God gives gifts. And that's part of the personality that He gives us individually. And it makes up our personality. But there's gifts. There's prophecy in those gifts. Doesn't mean you're called to be a prophet, but it just means there's a gift inside of you. And, and we went on to talk about that there's a gift of giving, there's a gift of, of, uh, of teaching, there's a gift of, of evangelism. There's all these gifts that God's given us apart from the church that God gave each one of us individually. Every one of you has been instilled with a gift. Can I get an amen? I was wondering if my amen corner was going to be here this morning. Especially now she done got wet for Jesus. She's excited. She's like, yes, go on, Pastor. Hallelujah. God gave gifts, and those gifts are without repentance. Everybody knows what that means. That means they're yours. Forget it. They're yours. Whether you use them for the kingdom glory or whether you use them for the enemy, it doesn't matter. They're your gifts. Now, you will never step into the fullness of your gift until you come in alignment with the purpose and the plan of God. You understand? And a lot of people are frustrated in their life and frustrated in their career, and frustrated in their home, and frustrated with God, and frustrated with themselves, because they're not walking in the Lordship, in the alignment that God has intended. And that frustration can manifest itself in bitterness, and resentment, and unforgiveness. It can manifest in all manner of ways. But the ultimate reason, the root to it, is because you're not, you're not allowing Him to be Lord of your life. That lordship is a key. In order to tap in to everything that God has for us, we've got to willingly submit our lives. We, we did the Spearman wedding last night. Ryan and Faith got married. Amen. And, uh, and it, was, it was wonderful. There was a miracle that takes place when you come into alignment with God's plan. God is the author of marriage. Now, I'm going to tell you something that may rock your traditional religious thinking. But if you got two unbelievers and they're married, and two believers and they're married, the covenant of marriage is blessed. Now, this couple over here that's willingly submitting themselves to the lordship and to the kingdom business, they're going to experience a fruit and a flow, if you will, and a manifestation of power and, and excitement and blessings and provision that the other couple that are over here won't experience. But they experience just because they honored the covenant of marriage and they come together. He said, do not become unequally yoked. That doesn't mean that two unbelievers can't be yoked together. It just means that this group right here is going to flow in their gifting better because they're submitted to God. But this couple over here, bless God, let's celebrate them getting married. I never understood that. People living in, you know, people are so concerned with people living in sin. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, they're living in sin. Well, bless God, all of us have lived in sin. I mean, you know, what was that for? What was that for? Thank you, buddy. What was that cross for? What was the blood of Jesus shed for? For what? 
for sin. So really sin is really not the issue any longer. But we, we want to make it the issue because it gives us a sense of dominance. It gives us a sense of power and arrogance. Like, I can't believe you live like that. Oh, heaven help us. No, Jesus, God, if anybody could say that, he, he would be able to say, I can't believe you live like this. But he didn't say that. It says in, in the book of Romans, it said that God so loved us that even when we were dead in sin, he sent Christ to die for us. So we understand that those gifts are from God and they function not because of what we do or don't do, but they function because there's a certain amount of power that comes along with that gift when it's given to you. All right, enough of that. Now, I'm going to try to finish up this week so that, so that I can get to what I really want to get to next weekend, next week before Christmas. But we understand that Jesus gave gifts. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And I'm praying that we'll be able to get to that next week or the week after. But what I want to focus on today is I want to try to finish up 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll start there. He said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want to be ignorant, do you? No. So he said, you know that when you were Gentiles, you were carried away to these dumb idols. I love that. One of my, my, I love that dumb. Well, we got to be politically correct. Well, the Apostle Paul said dumb. I could say dumb. You dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And I said last week, I said, let me explain that one more time before we move on. I said that no one can say by the Spirit of God, Jesus is cursed. Jesus' death means nothing. He was just a good man. No one who is filled with the Spirit can say that because it is contrary to truth. But on the flip side of that, you cannot say Jesus is Lord of my life unless you are willingly opening up your life to the Lord. So the Lord makes us say it? No. He said, read what he says. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, When we study the Holy Spirit and we study the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I was reminded this morning that one of the things we said is if you will look at who gave you the gift, you will get keys and clues, not even clues, it's almost like you got to hunt for it. You will get a representation of the gifts itself. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will never force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit would never make you do anything. And you remember we talked about the three things, about the conscious control. The Holy Spirit would never make you do anything. He just comes in line with your desires. Okay? We also said that the Holy Spirit, how do you know that what happens in church is the Spirit, is the working of the Spirit, is the gifts of the Spirit? There's so much woo out there. How do you know that it is? Because the Holy Spirit will always point to Him. Every time. The Holy Spirit would never point to me. The Holy Spirit will never point to Him. The never Holy Spirit will never try to exalt anybody outside of the... Now, now, there's an honor. There's a reverence. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the show becomes all about... No, the show's all about Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. Come on now. The third thing that you know is that not only will you be in control, 
but be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not only will He point to Jesus, but He will point you to give your life in alignment with Jesus. You follow me on that? So we know that about the Holy Spirit. And I was riding this morning, and I was, and I was meditating, and I was listening, and I felt like one of the things that I sensed was the Holy Spirit is more excited and more eager for us to move into these things than we are. And I thought, glory to God. We think of it as the exception, not the rule. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, it's the rule, not the exception. I want to move. I want to be a part of your life. I want to move and operate in your services and in your job and in your workplace. And I'm going to show you some examples this morning about these gifts that happen outside the church. Come on, somebody. Everybody say amen. Now, he said, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one, each one for the profit of who? For the profit of all of us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of spirits, to another the interpretation of tongues. And verse 11, put it on up there. Let's read this together. Ready? But all these works, that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as who wills? As he wills. It is his will, not ours. The minute that churches, Christians, preachers, pastors, Individuals, business owners, I pretty much got everything, children, students. The minute we realize that if we'll just follow in line with His will and His plan and follow the Holy Spirit, we'll see a lot more operation of these things in our life. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be all over my notes this morning because I felt like that's what the Lord wanted to do this morning. But let me read something to you that I was going to read at the end, but I want to read it at the beginning. Why don't we have more manifestations of the spiritual gifts in operation in our lives? Why don't we? Because we're not meeting the conditions that God said. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just flip over one. Right there, I mean, you're right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, read verse 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. Earnestly desire, that word earnestly means to be zealous. It means to be on fire it means to almost, it's the opposite, it, it's, it's, it's akin to the word covet. You covet in such a way that it's a godly covet. You, you desire it. Come on now, listen to me. You want it so bad. You, you remember when you were single and you wanted to be married so bad? I don't know if y'all remember that. I remember that. I wanted to be married. I didn't want to date. I didn't want to shop around. That is so dumb. Shop around. This isn't a car. This isn't a house. This is God's plan. This is your mate. And I remember I desired to be married. And when I got my desire in alignment with God, and I began to desire God more than I desired to meet this beautiful woman right here, then that's when God brought that Asian spice woman into my life. Come on, somebody. I tell her all the time, you're not what I, what I thought I wanted. 
But now that you're here, boy, I'm telling you, the Lord knew better than I did. You know what I'm saying? You ever thought you wanted a certain color, you know, a car, and then you got this other car, and you're like, Lord, God, I like that. I never, you know what I'm saying? That's what it was like. You don't know, so just leave yourself out of it. You think you know, but you don't know. Your Father knows better than you do, so just leave it in His hands. Come on now. And now, because of that, we make the most beautiful children in the world. Come on now, we got, I mean, just be, I'm, I'm prejudiced toward my children. I mean, it's all right, is that okay? I love diversity. I love ethnic diversity. I love just changing, I love to just change things up, just to change it up. Now, not when I go to restaurants. I like to eat the same thing when I go to restaurants. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to mess all that up. I mean, it's good. I know it's good. I ain't going to pay for something that I don't know if it's going to good. And then if it ain't good, I don't get my money back. No, I know that steak's going to be good at Longhorn, so I get my steak. Or the chicken tenders. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting you ready for lunch. Come on, I'm getting you anticipated. Why don't we have it? Because we don't covet. We don't desire. If every person would begin, like Inez said, if we take the first step, if you show up to church right now, this moment, if you will hook your spirit up and you say, Lord, I want. You told me to desire it, so I'm desiring it. You don't desire it just to have it. You desire it because it is His will. It is His plan. It is His purpose for us to, to operate in these things. And you desire that thing, and guess what? It will begin to manifest. Hallelujah. If we don't have manifestations of these things among us, it's because we're not obeying and coming in line. If we want the results that they had, then we have to do the things that they did. Uh, if we want to grow as a church, everybody want to grow as a church. You want to grow as an individual and you want to grow as a church. Then guess what? We've got to do the things that they did. And I'm not talking about the things that people do now. We got to do the things that they did. And one of those things in the early church was this. People, listen, I love lights. I love the music. I, I like the message. I, I like being able to preach. But if we don't have the anointing of God, we might as well go home. Because it is the anointing that breaks the burden and destroys the yoke. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. All right. So let's jump on. We've talked about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning spirits. I'm not going to review those. We're going to jump right in to the gift of faith. He says, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Now, that word faith is not your salvation faith. It's not a believing faith. It is a gift. Now, let's think about what faith is. Faith is not the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I know that's what we have thought. I know that's what we've been taught. But most scholars will tell you that that is rather a description of faith and what it will do rather than a definition. Faith, if faith is the substance, I'm after the substance. You know what I'm saying? Boy, that's some good chili. Yeah, but there is no such thing. It's not chili is made up of what? Substance. It's made up of ingredients. Faith is made up of something. Faith is the substance. I'm after that substance. I want to know what that substance is. So if the gift of faith is still faith, it's not salvation faith, it's the gift of faith, I want to know what it is. Faith is a persuasion. It's a firm persuasion. 
Faith is simply a conviction based upon beliefs. You've heard something and now you are persuaded of that thing and now you believe that thing. Faith is nothing more simply than what you believe. Say it with me. Faith is what I believe. How do you know what somebody believes? You watch what they think, what they say, and what they do. Now, you can live your life outside of the faith that you grew up with or the faith that you believe in. You can live. Your faith can be dormant. Your faith can, be, uh, can lay there and not produce anything. But the majority of the time, what's in you is going to come out. Good, bad, or ugly. You know and I know. I knew when I was doing wrong when I was younger. I knew it. You try to act like you didn't know it, but you know it. Your mama said something to you, you're like, I don't know. Yes, you do. Because you haven't activated the Holy Spirit. What'd you say? And they catch you off guard. I have to catch, you know, catch, my, catch my daughters. They, when you're doing something wrong, they say, well, what you doing? You go, nothing. <laughs> yes, you are. You're doing something. What are you doing? Nothing. Every time I've had to bring uh, truth to someone, every time I've had to, I have sat down with somebody and speak truth to them, I've asked them, no, I don't know what you're doing. No, we know. Everybody in this room knows when we do something wrong, right? Everybody. Me included, I know. It's a choice, okay? What we do, what we live out is our faith. We live according to our belief system. And the gift of faith is a supernatural belief. The Holy Spirit, for whatever reason, comes down and says, boom. And now you go, Man, I can believe God for anything. I'm, Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said that if you will take a step of ordinary faith, when you come to the end of that faith, very often this supernatural gift of special faith will take over. One reason more folks don't see the manifestation of special faith operating in their lives is that they don't first use what faith they have. The same thing for provision. Well, I'm believing God for $10,000. But you got $5,000 in the bank. Use what God has given you, your resources. Be diligent with your resources first, and then the provision will come. God is never going to meet you if you haven't exhausted all of your efforts. Because if, if, if He didn't do that, then you could say you did it. You could take credit. No, it's just easy to go on and get out the way. And say, Lord, I'm exercising my faith in your faith and your ability to get it to me. That is what the gift of faith is. It is a supernatural deposit of that belief system. And this is what he said, writing in his book, he said this. There was a couple that he knew, and the, the, the lady's husband, this couple that he knew, the husband had just died, and they were called to go in. And he said this. He said, I just passed Mrs. Mitchell and went into the room, and immediately I saw that Mitchell had gone. He was dead. And I couldn't understand it, but I began to pray. Mm. Thank you, Lord. He said, my wife was afraid that I would go too far, and she laid hold of me and said, Dad, don't. Don't. He's already dead. But I continued praying. I got as far as I could get on my own, and then God laid hold of me. Oh, it was such a laying hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me and a solid peace came into my heart. And I shouted, He lives! He lives! He lives! And He lives today. The gift of faith comes in 
and it's, a, it's not natural. Everybody say, it's not natural. We know that faith comes by hearing. We know that when we hear the Word of God, we accept it. And as a result of our conscious decision to accept it, you can't get faith by just hearing. If that be the case, then everybody that's ever been to a Billy Graham crusade or everybody that's ever been to this church should be saved. That's not what that word means. It means that you hear it and you make a decision as your free will to accept it as truth. Well, I just don't believe that it's God's will that He heals today. Then guess what? You will have a manifestation of what you believe. But if you believe what God has said, then you will have a manifestation of what you believe. That, that's, that's what it is. You hear it, you accept it, you make a conscious decision, okay? We're not talking about that faith. I can believe God now for a whole lot more things, money, resources, provision, health, than I could 20 years ago because I've grown in my faith. And so have you, I would hope. You've grown in your faith. You've, you've walked with God long enough to where you can believe God for, let's say you can believe God for $1,000 just as easy as you could for $50 10 years ago because you've developed your faith. You've seen God move. You've seen God, even Jesus demonstrated that. Jesus didn't wake up come out of his ministry, out of the desert and say, rise up and walk, Lazarus. What was the first thing he did? He turned water into wine. That was actually a gift of working of miracles because a working of miracles supersedes the natural process. Water with grapes over a period of time with some sugar, I could get into all the details, but you don't need to know that, will ferment and create wine. Working of miracles bypassed all that. It, it, it was a miracle. How can you take water and turn it into wine? That's a miracle. It's a supernatural bypass of the natural operation. Faith is supernatural faith that you didn't have 10 minutes ago, 5 minutes ago, and now all of a sudden you have it. But you've got to get to the edge of your faith. Best way I can describe it, the most recent example I have, is when my father was in the hospital. They had already come in and told him it could be cancer. They had already said all these things. You remember? They had already said that. All I know is her and I laid hold of him and I exercised my faith. And when I got to the point where my faith and her faith was up, this was the second time. First time he went in the hospital, came out. They gave him antibiotics, didn't clear up. He went back to the hospital, this time 10 times worse. And we had been down this road before. We'd seen when people go to the hospital the second time. They don't always come out. And that spirit of fear, you know, fear grips you. It, it, it grabs a hold of you and it says, you, you're going to die. And all I can say is that there was something inside of me that said, oh no. It wasn't me. It was a, it was, we had reached the edge of our faith and it was a supernatural faith. I knew, she knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, my daddy's leaving this hospital. I didn't have that in capacity in and of myself. I didn't because it required a special deposit from the Holy Spirit. Listen, guys, the Holy Spirit wants us to operate in these things more often. We're the ones that slow it down. 
you want to break a bondage in your life or you want to see a bondage broken over somebody else's life, begin to exercise your faith towards that area. And then when you get to the end of your faith, the Holy Spirit will join with you. It's as the Spirit wills. It's as the Spirit wills. Stop looking. Look at me and pay attention. If you get nothing else from this morning, listen to me. Stop thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as happening in the church only. No, these gifts are for people out there. And as you'll see when we read, just like Smith Wigglesworth, just like some of these others in the New Testament, you'll see that these gifts operate outside the church, not just in the church. Mark chapter 4, go there because I want to give you an example of of, uh, this faith. (coughs) Excuse me. Mark chapter 4. Come on, everybody awake this morning? (laughs) Oh, I'm like Tim Hawkins. I came to rock the flock this morning. Come on now. Mark chapter 4, verse 38. I don't care if you think I'm a fool. I am. I'm a fool for Jesus. But he, okay... So verse 35, you ready? On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I mean, I don't know about you, but I sense a little attitude. Right? A little attitude. Uh, needs a little, and Jesus fixing to adjust that attitude a little bit. So Jesus, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, shut up. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. That was my interpretation. I'm sorry. He said, peace, be still. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, how are you going to be asleep in the boat and not hear the wind all banging up against and the water? You, first of all, he was in the stern of the boat. You're going to tell me he didn't get wet? You're going to tell me he didn't get tossed to and fro? But it didn't bother him. Why? Because he had a, a spirit of faith. There was a working of faith inside of him. That he was going to what God had told him to do, what he saw. Jesus said, I never do anything or say anything I don't see or do my, my father do. And so what did he do? He stood up and he would be, how, did he, how, how do you do that? You need that faith to calm down the natural things in this natural world. And Jesus operated in that faith at that moment. He operated in it. How did he do that? He developed himself to such a place where when he reached the end of his faith, the Holy Spirit, yeah, but that's Jesus, that's the Son of God. Yeah, but Jesus did everything he did as a man, not as the Son of God. Jesus said, as I am, you be. Go and possess, go and occupy till I come. These works you will do greater than I did. He, his, his attitude was for us to walk in these things. So why aren't we walking in them? Because we think it takes a, an ordination certificate, or and we know the pastor can operate in that, but I can't operate in that. And what we'll see is that that's not true. Begin to read the New Testament outside of the... Stop thinking of church as the building. And start thinking of church as the people. 
Now, whether we here or whether we out there, we're still the church. And those gifts want to be in operation, but we confine them to just our Sunday morning service. And they, he's wanting them out there. I'm telling you, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning the spirits. Happened to me this weekend. I saw somebody yesterday, and I thought, and I didn't, I didn't try to make it happen, but I saw, I just discerned, discerning the spirits, and I saw him on it. This individual I saw, and I thought, what you want me to do? He said, nothing. I just wanted you, I want to show you. I want to demonstrate to you what that is. I can't describe it. You just, it's like you walk up and you meet somebody and you, there's something over them. But they want it there, is what the Lord said. They don't want that gone. Could I rebuke it and get rid of it? Sure. He said, all authority. Did he not? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now you go in my name. I could say, in the name of Jesus, be gone. But the Bible says that if you don't put something in that place and clean it up, then that thing that left is going to come back seven times more. See, we think sometimes that these gifts in operation is for the operation at that moment, for that time. But you may not need to be delivered from this thing right now. Because if you ain't going to fill it up with something, he's going to come back and it'll be worse on you. You ever, um, I remember sometimes people will get healed miraculously and then they get real better and then they get sicker than they did before. Why? Because they don't understand the aspect of you've got to put something in there once something leaves. Because they, the Bible says they will leave for a time and they're going to come back and bring seven to their for heaven to the friends. And if they find the house empty, they're going to come back in because they're used to it. He's a thief. He don't play by the rules. The only rules he plays by are the rules that we enforce. Glory to God, I just got that by the whole. That's good right there. Well, I don't know how the enemy's getting into my life. He's, he's getting into your life because he's a sneaky snake that don't care about what you care, whatever. The only thing he listens to is what? In Jesus' name. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. That's all he listens to. All right, so working of miracles. Working of miracles is a supernatural intervention by God onto the ordinary course of nature. So the water in the wine, that's ordinary. But not in two seconds it ain't ordinary. The gift of working of miracles bypasses that. Uh, when Jesus restored, when Jesus would pray for somebody and their sight would be restored and they were, they were blind from birth, that's a miracle. That's not a healing. That's a miracle. Because it didn't exist. People who've had, who have had limbs grow out or legs grow out, that's a miracle. If you were born like that, that, it's not a healing. You were born like that. It's not God's intent. It's not God's plan. So a working of miracles is needed. Are you following me on this? Hallelujah. The Greek word, listen to this, for the word miracles, it means explosions of almightiness. Oh, I like that. Staggering wonders or astonishments. Man, I prayed for my pinky and it got healed. That ain't, no. Now, if there was no pinky there and it grew out, that would be an astonishing. See, how do you know a working of miracles? I saw, let me give you an example. I saw... On video, one time, 
for a, a ministry that I was volunteering with in Tulsa. And they came back, and there was a lady that they, they were in India, and there was thousands of people. And they would bring people up on stage. And they would say things like, if God does not heal you today, you can kill us because God's a lie and Jesus is not real. That's the kind of stuff they would say. I like that. I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go say that. But he said, they brought this lady up, and this lady's eyes, shh, those lady's eyes, yes, yes, while I'm married to you, yes. Why this lady's eyes was as white as, as paper. There was no pupil, there was no iris. And they laid hands on her and began to pray for her, and they zoomed in the video. And I'm not kidding you, I saw this look like a, it looked like a hurricane. It looked like a storm of clouds in her eyes like this. That's a working of miracles. That ain't healing. That's a working. There was something that was not there and, and the supernatural power of God was creating it right before their eyes. That's a working of miracles. Gifts of healings has nothing to do with medical science or human learning. Has a, thank God for doctors. Thank God for the, 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 um, the advances we have made in medical science. It is amazing what we can do. I mean, it's amazing. They can cut your chest open and take your heart out and tweak it and tune it, put it back in and shut you up and you live for 40 years. I mean, that's amazing to me. They can take ugly and turn it into beautiful. I don't even understand how. That's not true. I'm kidding. Nobody's ugly. They can take something that has been disfigured that the enemy has stole from you. These plastic surgeons can do amazing things through medical science. I mean, it's amazing. It costs money, but it's amazing. They can do a lot. It's, what the enemy means for harm to destroy you and to hurt you, medical science can step in and help. I thank God for doctors. I mean, I call, I got the doc on speed dial. You know what I'm saying? I'm called the doc and say, doc, my toe hurt. What do I do? And he'll say, well... You know, quit stubbing it. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, I thank God for doctors. No, no, no. Gifts of healings is a supernatural manifestation of a healing that's needed. A lot of times, you let me say it this way. You can receive healing on your own. Everybody in this room, if you will apply the Word of God and stand on the Word of God, you and I can receive healing for anything we need. Gifts of healings is not that. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has to do with God depositing it. Think of it this way. Working of miracles or gift of faith is something that you is very passive. It's just there. And it's the greatest. You know, he said desire the greatest gifts. What is the greatest gift of those three? The greatest gift is the gift of faith. Because the working of miracles and gifts of healings operate in the same level but they don't operate on the same. You get, you get the gift of faith, you can believe God for anything. So that's the greatest gift. Word of wisdom is greater than word of knowledge and discerning of spirits because you see not just what everything is, but you see for the future. Word of knowledge is limited to the past and the present, and discerning of spirits is only a discernment of the spirit that's in operation. But the word of wisdom is all of it. And as you'll see, prophecy is greater than the gift of tongue and the interpretation of tongues because those two have to combine together to equal the word of prophecy. So the gift of faith 
operation is greater than the other two gifts because it functions at a higher level that the other two gifts have to almost function together. You can have a work in the miracles and you can have gifts of healings, but you've got gift of faith. You can believe God for anything. You can tell the wind and the waves to hush and they'll calm down. You can tell limbs to grow out. Come on, somebody. You can raise somebody from the dead. You can't raise somebody from the dead on your natural faith. He said, listen to me, he said these signs will follow them that will follow, will follow, will follow them that believe. That ain't got nothing to do with you doing it. See, working a miracles or, or gift of faith is something that God deposits into you that you work. I mean, not gift of faith. Working a miracles and gifts of healings is something that he puts in you and you make, you work it. You step out, you work and provide that. But a, working, but a gift of faith is very passive. It's something that's just there. These signs will follow them that believe. That's, you ain't got nothing to do with that. They just follow you. They follow you as you and I follow him. You need a gift of faith to raise somebody from the dead. Because to follow means that it follows you, that these signs follow you. They follow you. Are you a believer? Are these signs following you? Say it by faith. If it ain't following you yet, say it by faith. And a lot of times what I've seen in my own life and in the lives of the others. But what I've seen in my own life is God will work something like He'll show me a discerning of spirit before He gives me a word of knowledge, before He gives me a word of wisdom. I don't know why the Holy Spirit does that with me, but He does. He, 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 it's like He's teaching me. And I'm going to show you something, and then I'm going to show you something that uh, pertains to now. Okay, So He shows you that, shows you something that pertains to their past, then He gives you a word of wisdom for their future. And a lot of times you'll see that the power gifts, the revelation gifts, and the, uh, the seeing gifts work together. They all work together, and you'll see them grouped together a lot of times. Why? Because they're the same Spirit, and He divides unto every man as He wills. And it's for the profit of all of us. Now, let's talk about the gift of prophecy real quick, because I want to get to that, and then I want to tie, try to tie a bow around all this. The gift of prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a, known, in, in, an, in a known language that goes beyond your own thinking. Listen to me. We're not talking about the simple gift of prophecy. Paul said prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. He said, I wish and want you all to prophesy. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the gift. Everybody say supernatural. supernatural. It goes beyond your intellect. It goes beyond your knowledge. You can't study you can't learn, you can't be in the presence of God long enough to get this to manifest in your life by your own will. It's as the Spirit wills. But as you follow and flow with Him and learn His ways, He will deposit those things more and greater. Would, amen? So what is the gift of prophecy? The gift of prophecy is speaking a word in a known language about the future of someone and giving them a word of knowledge, word of, I mean a, a direction. And a lot of times the vehicle of prophecy is really used to deliver a word of wisdom. Prophecy is nothing more than the spoken word. That's all it is. It's an utterance that God gives us and so we speak that word. I guarantee you, 90% of you, I won't say everybody, but I'll say 90% of you have operated in some of these gifts at one point in time in your life, but you didn't recognize it. You ever, you ever talk to somebody and they told you something and you go, man, I knew that. I didn't know how I knew that. 
Hello. You didn't learn it. No, seriously. Let's camp on this for a minute. You ever met somebody and they talk to you and they say, you know, I had this thing happen to me a couple years ago and I, and I just want to get free from it. And in your mind you thought, I knew that. But you didn't know that. How do you think you knew that? Because you were so magnificent in your spiritual walk with the Lord? No, the Holy Spirit showed that to you. And I'll tell you this, I'll take it a step further. The Holy Spirit never shows you something without giving you a mandate behind it. There's a reason. He never shows it to you so you can go, hey, I know that. As you see that thing on her, I see it. That's not what the Holy Spirit, no. What is that pointing to? Look at me. Look how good I am. Look at my gift. Come on now. I'm stepping on somebody's toes. Not in this church. I'm talking about other places. He never, he never shows us these things so that we can say, look at me. Man, did you, hear my, did you hear my prophecy? That was some good, girl. You know it? No, that's not what he does. No. It's for him. People say, boy, that was powerful. I know. He is powerful. I, don't, I, don't, I, I promise you, let us walk and live our life Never wanting the recognition. Let's give all that glory and honor to Jesus. I don't want that. Because just the minute I get puffed up is the minute that I'm going to fall. I don't want to fall. Do you? Now, I don't need no help in that area. God has given me a helpmate in that area. She keeps me straight. What I'm saying is we all need help. And what I'm saying is I'm, I, don't want, I don't like grandstanding and showboating. And the greatest prophet New Testament prophet that was a, a spiritual father to me that would prophesy five, six, seven years in advance prophesied some of the greatest ministers in the world their death he prophesied it I've seen you know how you could tell a prophet is a prophet because what he says comes true and I've seen it in dad Hagen's life come true and true and true and after till he gone home to be with the Lord but I saw, I've seen this man sat up underneath his ministry and I've seen him walk down off the stage and walk to somebody and say, now if that don't bear witness with you, throw it out. Because I'm human, I could miss it just like anybody else. The, great, the man that could say, look here, I mean I got a pretty, you seen my track record? You know, here it is. No, he would say, I'm human, I can miss it. And if what he would say this, he would even go as far as say, if what I'm saying to you doesn't bear witness with your spirit, throw it out. Who made up the rule to put it on the shelf anyway? I got too much other crap on the shelf. I don't need your word that you think you got from me and it don't bear witness. I don't need that on, no, no, no. No, if it's God, it will bear witness with your spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, listen to me, the Holy Spirit will never force you to do anything. But God will never bypass his relationship with you. He's never going to bypass Inez to talk to you about Inez. He'll always talk to Inez. And if Inez ain't listening, what's he going to say? He'll talk to your husband. Then if he won't hear, who's he going to use? He's either going to use me or somebody else in your life that's closer to you to speak to you and say, Inez, listen, I know the Lord's been talking to you. What you going to do? And you go, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Every one of us have had that. I'm picking on Inez. Bill, every one of us have had that experience. Who's he going to use? Yeah. 
Because if there's anybody that can slap the taste out your mouth better than it's Miss Peggy, right? Why? Because that's how God works. So the Holy Spirit will never supersede your will. The Holy Spirit will never buy. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to bypass your relationship with the Father. Romans says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The New Testament prophet is not the same as the Old Testament prophet. That dispensation was done away with. Now we live in a new and better covenant. Well, why don't we see more New Testament prophets? Because they're thinking in line with the Old Testament and not functioning in the New Testament. I'll tell you what a New Testament prophet does. He comes up and reads your mail and confirms what God's been telling you the whole time and you ain't been listening. Or he tells you to encourage you to give you that mm that you need to get out there and do it. So, this is what I heard the Lord say this morning, what I'm hearing Him say now. When are you going to get started? That's what I heard the Lord. Somebody, for one of you, two of you, whatever, a handful of you, if, and if you want it, reach up there and grab it, that's yours. But that's what I hear the Lord saying. When are you going to get started? That's all I heard. When are you going to get started? That's a prophecy. Pro see, I don't... It, I don't know anything other than that. I know what the Lord said, so I say it to you. When you going to get started? And everybody's going like, I don't know. Because it may not be for you. But for somebody in here, that word just rang a bell in your spirit and you got chill bumps and now you're like, oh Lord Jesus, he's about to read my mail. I'll calm down, I ain't about to read your mail. That's all I got. Now if he wants to reveal more to me, I will. But what I'm saying is why? When you going to get started? He said, when you going to get started? See that... That gift of prophecy is not anything that I came up with, that I learned. It's just something that is deposited. All right? Diverse kinds of tongues. What are the diverse kinds of tongues? He said supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in languages never learned by the speaker. I have spoken in tongues before in a service, and when I got done, I had a Latino guy come up to me and go, Do you know Spanish? And I go, No. He goes, are you sure? And I go, see. <laughs> I took Spanish in high school, took Spanish in college. All I know is about that much, enough to get me in trouble, right? So what, what I'm saying to you is I was in that meeting, and I began to what I would, would, would articulate it as this. I, was, I thought I was praying in my prayer language, but then I kicked over into a whole other level that I didn't know of, and I began to, Declare that. And then I prophesied. I prayed. I said, all right, Lord, I gave that. Now give me the utterance. That's what the Bible says. Let him who prays in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Lord, help me interpret. Then I interpreted that tongue. See, we as charismatic in church, we've gotten so dumb in our... We, we think that everything is so complicated. He lays it out right there. If you pray in a tongue, ask the Lord to interpret. Now, you don't have to interpret everything you pray. Because he said that when you pray in an unknown tongue, your mind is unfruitful. I'm not saying you got to pray, but I tell you this, when I pray in tongues, I ask the Lord, all right, what I need to see, what I need to know, and what I need to learn, you show me. And he'll show me. Well, I got down off the stage and came back. We all gathered around to pray. And the guy goes, hey, S.A., you know, you know Spanish? And I go, uh, no, not really. 
He was like, well, when you, were, uh, when you were playing in the tongue, you were speaking Spanish, my man. And I was like, what? I was speaking Spanish? He was like, yeah. I was like, well, what I was saying? He was like, you were blessing Pastor L.A., and you were telling him that the Lord would come down on him and heaven would fall down, and he would be prosperous in his journey to the future. And I was like, oh, I didn't know any of that. How did I know that? I didn't. It was a problem. But what was the word for? It was the word. The word was for him. The word encouraged me because I was like, thank you, Lord. You can use me to speak Spanish, even if I don't know it in the natural. The interpretation of tongue is probably the it is the least uh, of all the gifts because it requires a tongue to give an interpretation. The interpretation of tongues is nothing more than a supernatural. Everybody say supernatural, supernatural. understanding of what's just been said. Well, I don't know. That sounds confusing. I don't know if I understand that. Oh, you know. Because somebody give a tongue, and you're sitting over there, and all of a sudden you know what it is, and you're like, no, I don't know what that is. I'm not saying that. There's no way I'm saying that. And then somebody stands up and give the interpretation, and you go, oh. I've done that. You've done that. Listen. Paul said, I'm going to try to wrap all this up in a pretty bow. Okay? Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you or me to be ignorant. Are these gifts for the church? He's talking to the church. He wrote to the church. And he said, listen, let everything be done decently and in order. There's nothing out of order about these gifts. They are for today. And people who say otherwise can't even back it up scripturally. Because the only verse they use is in 1 Corinthians. One of the verses they use is this one. 1 Corinthians chapter... Let's see, 14. He says, where there is... No, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging simple. And all those. So he starts listing the gifts as an example of what he just got done talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And what does he talk about? Love. And he said, love never fails, verse 8. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Has knowledge vanished away? Then tongues hasn't vanished away. He said all of what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then he said, and I'm going to show you a more excellent. Desire eagerly, vehemently, aggressively desire spiritual gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. And then what's he talk about? Love. See, none of this works without love. Not a single bit of it works. To such a degree, when you could prophesy, you could, uh, you could take mountains and cast them into the sea. I mean, that's what he said. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. I don't know. Do you understand what angels say when they come talk to you? 
No, apparently there is a tongue of angels. There is a language that angels use. And he said, though you have stepped outside the natural realm and you prophesy and you speak with tongues of angels and you have not love, guess what? It's just noise. You know, those symbols sound great when you're playing them on the drum. But if I just walk up there and start beating on that symbol, it won't be long for nobody to be in here. I mean, that's annoying. You know what I'm saying? That just gets on your nerves. That's what he said. You prophesy with tongues of angels and you ain't got love. You're just getting on everybody's nerves. You're just loud. And then he said this. He said, and although I have the gift of prophecy and understand not some, he said, you understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though you, I mean, you're so big and bad, you got faith. You can remove mountains. I mean, you flowing in the same level as Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't just understand all. You know it all and can do it all. I mean, he said, you pretty hot stuff. And he said, but you ain't got love. You ain't nothing. I mean, that's pretty powerful. I want us, I want the church to operate in these gifts. I believe we are to desire them. I believe we are to aggressively, eagerly anticipate and expect them to work in this service. But if you don't have love, I don't want it. Because love is what will draw people in. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. That people are drawn to. What are these gifts for? Why did the Holy Spirit give them? Remember? What? The character of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit always point to? Where is He always going to point you to? You can't do that without love. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord. Well, I... There's no way. I mean, I could spend a Sunday on each gift and I just felt like the Lord said, I want you to just get into it a little bit and then get out of it. Because sometimes if you feed too much on something, you get tired of it. But listen to me. I know that God desires for these gifts to be in operation. Not just in this church, but in your life, out there. I can't make it happen. You can't make it happen. But we can believe together and express our desire and eagerness to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we want you to work in these areas. We want you to move in our services. But above that, I want you to move in our life. What better place to operate in the word of wisdom or word of knowledge or discerning the spirits? What better place to function in the gift of prophecy or interpret, I mean, gift of tongues or interpretation of tongues? What better arena to operate in the gift of faith or working in miracles or gifts of healing, not healings? See, some people have had luck all their life praying for people with uh, arthritis. The gifts. 
Some people have had, have had luck or have, have had a special anointing to pray for people with headaches or pray for people with finances. There's many gifts function in your giftedness. My heart is to find your place, for you to find your place in this body and in the body of Christ and then begin to function in that gift. But these gifts are for us. We get ready to give gifts to each other for Christmas. You can bring all my gifts next week. I'll be fine. I'm kidding. We're getting ready to give gifts to one to another, to bless one another. To dem- I love gifts. I love giving gifts. I don't care about receiving them. I love giving gifts because gifts is an expression of love. It's, it's something that God has intended. For God so loved the world that He what? Gave. He's given us these gifts. Why don't we utilize them? Why don't we use them? Because the church has become dormant in expecting these things to operate. No more. So I want you to bow your heads. I want you to pray with me. Hallelujah, Father. We expect, not out of arrogance, Not out of arrogance. We expect and ask you to move in our lives because that's what your word says to do. We desire to be obedient to your word. So I want you to take just the next few moments and with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is just as important, if not more important than anything else we've done because I'm trying to get you and I to engage in the Holy Spirit. Get your minds, I'm trying to snap your brain out of the norm. Get your brain, unhook your brain, unhook your emotions, unhook yourself from that natural way of thinking, I hear the Lord saying, unhook yourself from that natural way of thinking because the natural man is enmity toward God. The natural things are, are, are deterrent for what the Lord wants to do. Hallelujah. San Brahma dance the gate. He led the Brahma soccer to bro. All of soccer to bread in the You've become so accustomed You've become accustomed to the ways of the natural that you have forgotten my ways in the spirit. Now hear the Lord saying, you are a spirit being, so when you brush up against, when you come in contact with those things in the spirit, you are reminded, you're you're energized, there's something that happens inside of you because that's the real you. But because we've never taken the time to 
educate ourselves through the Word of God and through spending time in the Spirit because we've never taken the time to develop that part of who we are, then when those things arise, you've been told that that's out of order. And I heard the Lord say, that's not out of order. Everything else is out of order. I've given you an order. I've given you a proper place and a perspective on the gifts of the Spirit. And it is as I will through the Holy Spirit. But if you refuse to operate in those gifts, if you refuse to step out into those things, if you listen to the religious word and you listen to the natural realm, it will shut it down every time. And I hear the Lord saying, stop thinking so naturally and start thinking supernaturally. That's the way I've created you. That's the way, come on Lord, that's the way I have put the seed, I have put my spirit in you, and you see things in the supernatural. You see things by the spirit, but if you don't walk in it, and you don't live in it, and you choose to live and be governed and be bearing down, bared down, locked down, if you choose to be locked down in the natural, you'll never flow in the level of the, of the supernatural that I desire you to flow in. I'm just getting it out, so just bear with me. This is what I hear the Lord saying. You are so concerned with the spectacular that you're missing the supernatural every day. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. When you gonna get started? You're not waiting on me. He said, I'm waiting on you. Utilize and step out into what you know. Do what you know. Step out in what you've got in your heart. And when you reach the end, I'll be there. I'll fill in the gaps. Thank you, Lord. You know, so much of the time we think operating in these things comes second nature. And they, they get to where they do. They operate second nature. And I remember every time, most every time that I've ever been given a word, I don't have the whole word. I may have a word, just one word. Or I may have a phrase that the Lord wants me to say. And when I step out and say that phrase, then another one comes and then another one comes and then another one comes. And where we get into trouble is we try to fill in the blanks. I don't know what that means. When you're going to get started. But I know that if I try to fill in the blanks, then I get all my stuff. See, the, the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. The, in other words, the spirit of prophecy is subject to that prophecy. Don't get mixed up in it. Now, there's ministry going on right now. Now, you and I can either unhook and we can start thinking about chicken. Or we can hook up and we can believe God and we can begin to pray and we can allow the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. You want the Holy Spirit to do what He, do, what he wants to do. Alright, then I want you to begin to pray right now. If you want people praying for you, you want somebody to pray for you, 
Just lift your hands up right now. Lift them high. Brother Bill. Somebody come up here, brother. Somebody come over here to Brother Earl. Y'all come on now. We're the body. Let's all minister together. Come on, let's gather around. Y'all come over here to Brother Bill. Let's pray for Brother Bill. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's just let the Lord work. Come on now. Tap into what God's saying. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. We release the Holy Spirit. We ask you, Father, to not only move, but give us the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning the spirits. Father, gift of prophecy. Father, working of miracles, gifts of healings, gift of faith. Whatever we need, Father, we're going to set ourselves in agreement one for another and trust that if it's your will to manifest, we'll manifest these things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now just stretch your hands forth all over the place and let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we set ourselves in agreement. Whatever may be, we join our hearts together. Expecting you to move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Burdens removed, yokes destroyed by the anointing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I declare that it's working. It's working. It's working. Your spirit is working as you will in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. You're, you're not bound by the past anymore. Dang. You're not bound by the past anymore. Stop. Stop looking in the past. I've redeemed the past. I took care of the past. The greatest thing about the past is just that it's the past. It's past. It's gone. It's no longer. You have a bright. Your best days are ahead. But you don't understand. I've been hurt. Okay. Well, great. The hurt, it will deal with the hurt as we walk towards that great future. I mean, you get surgery and you hurt, but you don't hurt like you did before you had surgery. You don't, you don't, there's a healing process. We're going to walk through that healing process. But I hear the Lord say so strongly, stop idolizing the past. Stop looking at the past. Look forward because your greatest days are. Are ahead. Jeremiah said, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you, 
not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Hallelujah. Well, Langston, you got anything? That was a dumb question, wasn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah, saints. Today has been an awesome day to unveil the supernatural. And we just thank Father God for what he has done today. You know, I'm always excited about this season between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But it is also a time where the enemy begins to move and tries to come against the people of God the most. And he tries to disguise and distract us from the term Christmas. It's not about Santa Claus. So help us to keep our eyes on him. Even as we walk into the supernatural, those are those that will be lost by the behavior that happens during Christmas of spending, of parting, of distractions against that time where God wants to be the closest to you so that you can acknowledge the greatest gift that he's given man during this time and during this season. And pastor started talking about the miracle that occurred with Jesus. It was miraculous. And it takes us to John 2. It was the third day of Canaan in Nazareth, and Jesus comes to a wedding. You know, we had a wedding last night that was awesome, and it was supernatural that we all participated in for those that were here. And it was that third day he shows up at the wedding with the disciples. He had been invited to this wedding, and his mother comes to him, and she says, Son, the wine has run out. And he says, Mother, it is not my time yet. But she turns to the others and she says, do what he says do. God is even right now telling you to do what he says to do. You have heard in your spirit. But see, the enemy will try to block that thing. Jesus responds when he hears and he says, bring the vats here. Fill them up. Get them ready. And then he has done something. And I don't know what it was. It was supernatural. Remember, it's the miracle where we see the vats full of water. And he says, take the first dip to the governor of this party, the governor, the leader, the one that has set it up. And he tastes it. And he's, woo! He said, man, this is good. He says, I've been to some parties before. And generally, they bring the good stuff out, and then it's the cheap stuff later. But he said, y'all, y'all brought the good stuff out. And y'all brought it out last. Now, this is some stuff over here. Well, God wants to do that in you. And even during this time where we can talk and we can kind of joke and laugh about this thing, God also teaches us something during this time. God says if you've got a situation where you need him to intervene, he says, first of all, you have to invite him to the situation. You know, Jesus was invited to the party. Number two, whatever that situation was, he had to tell Jesus what it was. Now, he probably could have known through the Spirit, but he needs your confession that this is the problem that I need you to deal with before he will move. Then God can stand and he can do a miracle within that thing. He does a miracle. Not everybody sees it except for those that were working, filling the various containers with water. Hey, man, this is just water. I don't know what we're doing because they didn't run out of wine. This looks like water. It's going to be water. But now he says, and taste it. And miraculously, 
takes them to that governor, the one that's the leader of the party. So guess what? Who knew about the miracle? Not everybody at the wedding knew about the miracle. The governor learned that there was something. He don't know how it got there. He thought in his own mind they were just saving the good wine for last. But those who had filled the vats with water knew that, wow, what, what happened? Something happened. The mother, she expected it. God had to be invited. So whatever your situation is, whatever your battle is during this season, make sure that God knows. Get close in your prayer life and say, God, this is it. I've identified it. Pastor gave that word before. What was that? Um, what was that word you gave before? What is it? When you going to get started. When is it time for you to get started? He says, let me know. I am ready. I am waiting on you. I have pre I'm prepared to handle your situation. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. Now, what is that situation? It could be fear. It can be the past. It can be the future. It can be family. It can be brothers and sisters. It can be an issue with your marriage, an issue with your job. But God knows that. Bring it to him. He's a gentleman. He wants to fix it. Let just that few people know about it so they can share in that miracle that God is about to do during this season. And then allow God to point or be pointed to because he's the only one that can do it. Pastor can't do it. Your elders can't do it. You couldn't do it. Let God do that thing because he loves you. He loves you. Through the eyes of his face, we see love. And love is the only thing that can do it. Yes. Amen. Yes. So, Father, as we close out, Pastor, were you finished? Did you have something? You know, um, you read that, and I've never seen this before. But I, I, something about it struck a nerve with me, and I heard the Lord say something. <laughs> she said she was at the wedding. We don't know what her role was, but it just says, it just indicates that she was at the wedding. And when she heard they ran out of wine, she went to the one who could solve the problem. And she said, they out of wine. I'm out of money. My daddy done left. My husband done left. My wife done left. I mean, I got a problem. They got a problem. And he said, woman, my hour hadn't even come. And then she didn't even take, she didn't even take that. I mean, we would have been like, okay, Lord, you said your hour hasn't come, so I'm just going to pray for more. She said, look, I don't care. I ain't, whatever he says, you do it. She didn't argue with him. She just said, look. I done turned it over to you. I'm backing off. It ain't my problem no more. And what did Jesus do? To me, I heard the Lord say, even if it's not the hour that you think or that somebody else thinks, he said, if you'll bring it to me and you'll believe me, he said, I'll make it the hour. So, I mean, you tell me. Now, listen, let, go home and study it. But Jesus said, my hour hasn't come. But then what did he do? So when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, look here. Was it supposed to be the next hour or whatever? Because he done said, Jesus don't lie. He said, my hour ain't come. But guess what? That hour that was not come yet became that hour when she turned it over to him and she said, really. So I just felt the Lord say, it don't matter what they've said. It don't matter what you've said. It don't even really matter what hour in the spirit it may be. He goes to those who will say, take it. I don't want it. Matter of fact, I'm leaving it with you. 
peace, I'm leaving it with you. I don't want it. But it ain't my, I don't care. You said cast your care, cast your burden. I'm casting it. I don't want it. Don't be follow, don't follow me. You just get back over there. When I done gave it to the Lord, and I just wanted to say that to you. Brother Bill, you got anything before we close? You're the only two elders we got. Everybody else is laid out this morning, I guess. That wedding done wore everybody out. I was wore out. I don't know. I'm wore out now. You got anything? Amen. Everybody done wore out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, your people, say we believe, we receive everything that you have for us, and we are going to step out together. We're going to believe for greater things. We believe. Everybody say that with me. I believe. I believe. I earnestly desire for you to work in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Now go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And don't be surprised you eating that chicken today and the Lord gives you a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the Spirit. Step out. What have you got to lose? You ain't got nothing to lose. Speak it. Say it. What's the worst thing they can say? I don't know what you're talking about. But at least you stepped out. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Be blessed. We will see you next Sunday.